Before Crude Conversations existed, Alaska journalist Ammon Swenson produced a podcast called CrudeCast. It lasted for about four episodes, and among those episodes was a three-part series called Outrun Your Demons. In it, Ammon tells a story many of us can identify with. It involves our friend Ryan Earp, a guy with a heart of gold, but at the same time, had a tendency to get in his own way. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the company man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. This episode came out in 2016, and Ryan has since turned his life around. He's clean and sober, happy, and recently married. So here's part three of Outrun Your Demons. Welcome to CrudeCast. I'm Ammon Swenson, and you're listening to the final chapter of my three-part series called Outrun Your Demons. So far, I've introduced you to my longtime friend and crude photographer, Ryan Earp. When he was 20, that's about seven years ago, he left his hometown in Anchorage, Alaska to try to make it as an actor in LA. He packs up his car and hits the road with only a few thousand miles between him and his dream. Well, that, a major thirst for booze, and a tendency to get himself into, let's just call them, sticky situations. His drinking gets the best of him on his first attempt when karma comes knocking and he crashes his car on an empty road in British Columbia. On his second try, he and our buddy Mike make it through Canada, but not without some, uh, trouble with the locals. After two weeks in Fort Collins, Colorado, Ryan heads off to LA by himself. It was just incredible. It was like overwhelming how happy I was. After all the mishaps of just trying to get there, Ryan's stoked to see the city looming in the distance. I put on The Chronic 2001 and listened to it until I got to central LA and I just parked my car um, and walked around downtown with the biggest smile on my face when it was like, wow, man, this is something else. His mom helped him find a place to stay, a boarding house where other aspiring actors and musicians lived. Ryan had just arrived, but he was one step closer to his dream. LA's a long way from home, but he was right where he wanted to be. I'd bought some weed from one of the guys who was at the boarding house, and I smoked a joint down on the beach and just was smiling the whole time. Ryan had a buddy from back home who had already been in LA for a while. With a friend who knew the bars and a fake ID, Ryan got busy. 
So that kind of turned into my main goal. I didn't know about after hours clubs and, you know, like any of that shit. There was like, you know, the entire town was alive at all hours of the night. After a night of pre-gaming and closing down the bars, Ryan and his buddy aren't ready to call it a night. They walk down Hollywood Boulevard asking random people if they know of any after-hours clubs. Finally, this guy's like, yeah, um, there's actually one right around the corner. So we go to this sketchy-ass building right off Hollywood Boulevard and walk up this flight of stairs where there's this big security guard standing there waiting. And he's like, he's like, 40 bucks. And we're like, 40 bucks? Fuck, for, just to get in? All right. Like, here's your 40 bucks. He stamps our hands, doesn't check our IDs or anything, just lets us in. Well, 40 bucks gets you into this place that has an absolute open bar. There's chicks in lingerie dancing all over the place. There's a room off to the side that is full of weed and all sorts of pipe, ap like, smoking apparatuses. And, like, I have hair down to my shoulders, a stupid-looking mustache at the time. Like, it was just all ratty and dirty. And I'm wearing, like, a fedora and, like, a deep V with a leather jacket, you know? Like, just looking like such a white kid. Ryan heads over to the smoking room and gets down on the activities. Like any considerate pot smoker, he offers some of his own to the cause. He just needs to grab it from his car. But I stop at the bar first and I take a shot of this, like, weird-looking blue drink. And, uh, so then I walk out and I'm like, I'm gonna be able to get back in, right? He's like, yeah, I remember you. It's like, all right, cool. So I walk down the stairs, and that is the last thing that I remember. The next thing that I remember, or the next thing that I know, I'm waking up on the floor of a parking garage with a hole in my bottom lip and a bruised nose, and I have no idea what happened. I'm surrounded by a group of construction workers who are waking me up telling me I can't sleep here. It's 6.45 in the morning. I don't know where I am. I don't know why the fuck I have a hole in my lip. I don't know if I just tripped and fell face forward and then that's where I felt, you know, stayed for the night. Um, I don't know what was in that blue shot that she gave me, but it fucked me up. He goes off in a daze to find where he parked his car the night before. Turns out it's in the next building over. When he gets back to the boarding house, he looks like he's had the crap beaten out of him. He decides it's time to take it easy for a while. He gets down to business trying to find a job. He applies at a couple restaurants, a dry cleaner, just something to pay the bills. After a couple of days, he decides he'll go out again. He meets up with his buddy and they head to a show. Um, got pulled over on the way to the show with a fifth of Jack Daniels in the car and two 40s. That were, we were drinking on these 40s as we were driving to the show. They stashed the booze and Ryan got off with a warning to replace his brake light and change over his Alaska plates. Should have taken that as a sign probably at that point. When they get to the show, Ryan recognizes a dude from the reality show Laguna Beach. And I walk up to him and I'm like, hey, you're from Laguna Beach. And he's like, yeah. Ryan tries to strike up a conversation. And he's like, fuck off, dude. My mouth just drops open and I'm like, excuse me? And he goes, fuck off, man. I don't want to talk to you. And so I pushed him. Because I felt like I, I was just like, that is so insulting, you know? And then he pushed me back, and then I punched him in the face. And then the next thing I knew, I was getting thrown out of the club by two of the biggest bouncers. And like, just like, like typical movie style thrown out of a club. Like, onto your face, on the sidewalk, don't come back. 
Ryan heads to another bar and has a few more drinks. He decides he's going to drive home, but his friend tries to make him listen to reason. He tried to uh, convince me to stay the night um, and that I shouldn't try to make it back to my place because I was drunk, drunk, drunk. But I was insistent and um, took off. Ryan gets lost on the way back home. He's stuck in some neighborhood and can't find his way out. He sees a private security car driving by and decides to follow it. And um, I was following him in my head. To, I thought eventually he would leave this neighborhood and get back onto a highway system, you know, and I could find out where I was from there. Well, he turns on his yellow lights and pulls over, so I pull up behind him. The security guard walks up and asks why Ryan's following him. My response was, I was paid to follow you. And I, I don't know if that guy's just making shit up or if I was really that drunk to where I said something like that, but that's what it is written in the police report. The guard says, you've been drinking, haven't you? And I was like, yes, I have. The guard says he's going to call the cops. I was like, okay. You know, just like, whatever, I'm fucked. Ryan thought about running. He could make a break for it. The guy was just a rent-a-cop. He had his plates, but Ryan could just bail. Realizing that he had no idea where he was and wasted in a new city, Ryan sat down on the sidewalk and waited for the police. A squad car rolls up, and the cop asks if Ryan had been drinking. Yes. The cop asks if he'll consent to a roadside sobriety test. Yeah, sure, why not? Would he take a breathalyzer? Okay, sure. Ended up blowing a .23, failing my roadside sobriety test, like, just terribly. Ryan gets put in the back of a squad car and taken to L.A. County Jail. When I arrived at jail was when I just finally, I, I had just a breakdown. I was like, holy fuck, dude. You are in L.A., and you are going to jail. Like, what have you done to yourself? What, this is like your lowest of lows. I've never had any experience with jail, you know? I'd never even visited somebody in jail. And I was getting locked up. They were getting my fingerprints and taking my mugshot. And, you know, I was getting locked up. And it was like, holy shit. What a... What a fuck up. He gets his phone call and dials home. His mom answers. It wasn't that long ago that he had to call his parents to give him a tow back from Fort Nelson. He had crashed his car while driving drunk. They didn't know the whole truth then, but this time there was no hiding it. And, of course, it says, you have a collect call from L.A. County Jail. Would you accept the charges? She says yes. I say, hey, Mom. She goes, what'd you do? I said, I got a DUI. She goes, call me when you get out. And then hung up. And it was like, fuck. I really, really messed up. Despite the situations Ryan got himself in, at this point in his life, he was just a sheltered kid underneath it all. A jail cell was a whole new world, and he got to know a little about his cellmates. Um, one of them was there for solicitation of an undercover cop. One of them was there for crack. One of them was there for... Um, Assault with a deadly weapon, um, just all sorts of dudes in there. And I get the last bunk that's the bottom bunk right next to the shitter. And dudes in jail do not have problem shitting in front of other people. Like, they would just poop all the time. And I'm just laying right next to it, hungover so bad, smelling poop all day. For all the 17 hours, I'm just smelling shit. And they brought us, you know, our little meals, which was like two pieces of really, really dry bread, 
a piece of bologna and a piece of cheese for your sandwich and then an apple. And um, they brought us that three different times. And I ate one sandwich. That was it. The rest I gave to the crack addict and uh, the assault guy because they seemed like they wanted it and I was not going to say no. <laughs> Were you kind of reflecting on what got you there at that point? Like, did you think about Canada? Or No, like... no, I didn't. I at, at that point, the only thing that was going through my mind was game over. This DUI is going to cost you too much money. You're, you're done. So you weren't thinking like, God, I shouldn't have done like... No, I wasn't shit. thinking I should have learned my lesson. I should have learned my lesson before, you know. I was not thinking that at all. I was just thinking like, damn it. Now you got to go home. After 17 hours, Ryan's released. He calls home and his mom has already started looking into dealing with the DUI. In total, the whole thing ended up costing him $25,000. He takes a cab back to where he left his car. Every section of this is just like leading me down to deeper and deeper depression. Every, you know, every step of the way. It's like, finally I get to my car and it's like parked all janky on the side. Like you could tell I was drunk when I parked it. Like there's an open bottle of Jack Daniels on the floor. I don't even fucking drink Jack Daniels. I'm a Crown Royal drinker, I mean, at heart, but I don't drink at all anymore, but I don't even, I mean, it's like two empty 40 bottles in the back seat, like, it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, what the fuck were you thinking, you know, who do you think you are, like a rock star, like, you think you can just get away with this shit, no. Ryan has the cab driver follow him back to the boarding house. He doesn't have enough money to pay the fare, so he heads inside to get some cash. The cab driver threatens to call the cops if Ryan isn't good for it. He barely has any money, but Ryan's roommates chip in and help him out. The last thing he wants to deal with is more cops. Almost instantly, Ryan's trajectory reversed its path. I was set to go screen test and set to go, to go meet with these people who were interested in having me, you know, do some things. But I, I had to cancel it. I just had to bail on my dream, like, because I was broke. You know, I was done. There was no get, there was no staying down there. There was, it just, there was no way to do it. It's hard enough to find a job, you know, in other places. In California, it's fucking really tough, you know. Um, and so I got in my car and I started driving for the first two days. I didn't even listen to music. I cried a couple times, you know. I'd pull over because I was crying so hard. I mean, it just, I couldn't even see. So everything, everything that I wanted, like, so bad that I had dreamed about since high school was just, it was just gone. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. I was going home to what? The trip back home was a blur. Drive for 12 hours, stop and sleep for a few. Drive for another 12 hours, stop and sleep for a few. And, and that was, I mean, it was uneventful. It was depressing. It was, you know, I went down there with a buddy, had a blast, fucked everything up, and then drove home. You know, it was like, 
just everything that I wanted was was gone, was just ripped from me because of my decisions. It's not like something bad happened or something like that. It was because I made stupid choices. And then coming back home after failing at that, on top of failing at college, I just, I kind of lost it. Got on antidepressants for a while and then started drinking very heavily, very, very heavily because I was so just depressed about, you know, basically failing so hard. And it didn't, I mean, it doesn't lead to anything good drinking yourself because of depression, I can tell you. An experience doesn't help at all. It took Ryan a while before he bounced back. He quit drinking and got a job doing asbestos abatement that lets him travel all over the state. Now, he's not pure as the driven snow, but these days he's got a good grip on things and doing well. I asked him why he thinks this story stuck with me for so long. I think that maybe you kind of learned a lesson through me on this one. Like, and I'm not entirely sure on that, but like, I think... I don't I, I I don't know why, but you have taken an interest in this story, and I really like that. Like I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure why. Um, I think it's just because it follows my whole getting myself into situations that I shouldn't be in. You've known me for doing that for years, you know, and this is just one of those situations that got out of hand. He's not free of regrets, but he doesn't dwell on them. I'm disappointed because I failed so hard, but when I look back on it now, it's just a section of my life that I fucked up. Because I'm doing fine now, you know? It was just, it was basically my rock bottom, you know? It was like, I, I, I blew it, I blew it. Would he go back and do things differently? Yes. Has he learned from his mistakes? Definitely. From Anchorage to LA and back in the span of a month and a half. Life's just a series of events, a broken chain of memories, triumphs and defeats. Life's a trip, right? Point A to point B. The roads we take and the decisions we make can lead to unexpected destinations, even home. For Crude Mag, I'm Ammon Swenson in Anchorage.